tension. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller is back in the studio today. We are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley Uh, the Spice Radio studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, the UAW is on strike at facilities at all of the big three automakers. We're going to tell you everything you need to know about it. We are also going to be talking about what workers in the South were up to almost 2,500. 2,500 working folks in the southern United States and her colonies filed for a union election in the last Seven days, folks. Big news! Uh, And we're going to be taking a look at what the bosses were up to in the South. Uh, Spoiler alert, not good. All that and more on today's program. If you want to be part of the show today, we've got a phone number, and I think the line is open. If it's not, we're going to get it open. That phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. If you are a UAW member, or retiree, then let us know in the YouTube chat. Let us know your area code so that we can pull you out of the queue uh, because we want to, we definitely want to uh, prioritize hearing from UAW members. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm interested in what they have to say. So, again, that phone number is 844 899 TVLR. That is 844 899 8857. You can also leave us a voicemail or send us a text message throughout the week. We might respond on the next episode. If you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, then you can find us anywhere you find anything online, in particular at our website, tvlr.fm. Uh, you're going to want to bookmark that page because that is where where you find all of the newest stuff. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all at The Valley Labor Report. Uh, Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air, folks. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners, so if you want to be part of of one of the folks that uh, help us stay on the air, tvlr.fm slash donate. You can make a one-time donation or become a recurring monthly donor. Any amount helps from $1 to $50. Uh, We appreciate it all. You can also go to patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report or buy our merch on our store, tvlr.fm slash store. That is also where you can buy tickets to our first live show tomorrow. That's right, folks. Our first live show is tomorrow in Huntsville off of Lehman Ferry Road at Shenanigans Comedy Theater. We are going to have an opening stand-up set by local working comedian Sci-Fi. We are going to be having union members talking about beating the boss. We are going to have games. We're going to have union-made booze. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Shenanigans Comedy Theater uh, off Lehman Ferry Road tomorrow, Sunday. 
Monday, September 17th at 6 p.m. If you have a VIP ticket, you get in one hour early. Uh, TVLR.fm slash store to get tickets. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're a member of a union, then definitely think about getting your local to sponsor the show. While the largest single source of funding comes from our listeners, the majority of our funding comes from our union sponsors, and we are proud of that. Um, we do not hide it. We're proud of it. Uh, we very much appreciate our union sponsors. Absolutely. Let me add a disclaimer that any viewpoints or opinions expressed in this program belong solely to their author and do not necessarily represent any organization or sponsor. We welcome all of our listeners, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Unclaimed Mysteries Internet Radio, WVNN, WZZA, WHIV, or through your favorite podcast app. We are proud to be part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network and encourage our listeners to check it out. So thanks for spending some time with us this morning. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the YouTube, YouTube chat. Chris from Local 652 GM, one day longer, solidarity forever. Indeed, uh, Infinite Content says that the Teamsters have refused to move any big three cars um, that are uh, that are uh, that the big three automakers want to get transported to the struck plants, and that is true, and the Teamsters always do that. Uh, they have it in their contract with UPS that they cannot be forced to cross picket lines. Chase says local 249 justin says windsor assembly caca uh our countdown ends monday at midnight uh justin says full support uh the darwin clause stand up uaw local 602 um hoosier says local 685 folks a lot a lot of uaw members in the chat if you want to call in 844-899-tvlr is the number 844-899-8857 we appreciate you tuning in uh but since we don't have any callers in the queue right now, let's go ahead and talk about what happened last week in Southern Labor. This is a segment that we do every week. We are a Southern Union radio program. We are on terrestrial radio stations across the South. And, uh, you know, working folks across the South are moving. We're doing stuff all the time, and not enough people know about it. So we like to take a little bit of time every Saturday morning to do a little bit of rapid-fire... Uh, recount. So here's what happened last week. In new election filings, like I said, it was a big week for election filings in the southern United States and her colonies. 2,455 workers filed for a union election in just last week, the last seven days, in just the southern United States and her colonies. That is amazing. Uh, here they are. 25 workers at Science News Media Group in Washington, D.C. filed for a union election with the Washington Baltimore News Guild, local 32035. 84 drivers and merchandisers at PepsiCo in Collierville, Tennessee filed for a union election with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, local 667. Nine workers at Lush Cosmetics in Friendswood, Texas filed for a union election with the United Food and Commercial Workers, UFCW Local 455. Six workers at Given Glass and Glazing in South Charleston, West Virginia, filed for a union election with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, IUPAT, District Council 53, Local Union 1195. 950 workers 
from apprentice to journeyman, meter techs to heavy equipment operators, and more at Luma Energy Serve Company, which is the electricity provider in San Juan, Puerto Rico, filed for a union election with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IBEW Local 222. 17 workers at Starbucks in Farmers Branch, Texas, filed for a union election with Starbucks Workers United. Eight workers at Cisco in Louisville, Kentucky, filed for a union election with the General Drivers, Warehousemen, and Helpers Local Union 89, which is an affiliate of the Teamsters. Seven staff for the union, the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, AFSCME, in Washington, D.C., filed for a union election with the Washington Baltimore News Guild Local Union 32035. 25 employees for the Allied Universal Security Services in Washington, D.C., filed for a union election with the Law Enforcement Officers Security Union, 31 service techs and advisors at Honda of Frontenac in St. Louis, Missouri, filed for a union election with the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, 12 workers at Marijuana Dispensary Home State in Kansas City, Missouri, filed for a union election with the Teamsters, local 955, six workers at Panelmatic, St. Louis in Earth City, Missouri, filed for a union election with IBEW Local 1. 780 workers, huge unit, at Pico Foods in West Point, Mississippi, filed for a union election with UFCW Local 1529. 215 workers at Phoenix Paper in Wycliffe, Kentucky filed for a union election with the United Steelworkers International Union. 200 workers at Grupo Antolin in Kansas City, Missouri filed for a union election with Teamsters Local 41. 50 workers at Morton Salt in Cape Canaveral, Florida filed for a union election with the USW. 30 workers at Battles Transportation in Washington, D.C. filed for a union election with the Amalgamated Transit Union Local 689 and one group of workers withdrew their petition for a union election last week. 300 at Coca-Cola Southwest Beverages in Fort Worth, Texas withdrew their petition for a unionization with the Teamsters Local 997. We didn't have too many election results last week, and they were decidedly not good, but we did save the best for last. Starting off, four workers at CTI Foundation Terminal Incorporated in Savannah, Georgia, tied 2-2 two to two in their election on whether or not to unionize with the USW, meaning the election is a loss for the pro-unionization workers. Seven sprinkler fitters and apprentices at E-Fire Southern in Gulfport, Mississippi, voted against unionization with the United Association of Journeymen and Apprentices of the Plumbing and Pipe Fitting Industry, UA, Local 669. 13 workers at Papa John's in Houston, Texas, voted against unionization with the General Service Union, zero to two. Interesting. Interesting. 10 security guards at uh, Fideicomiso Olimpico in Salinas, Puerto Rico, voted against unionization with the Union Bonafide de Afileste. The Bonafide Union of Security Officers is what it means in English. I looked it up. Uh, two to six, they voted against unionization. 67 workers at Southwest Key 
programs in El Paso, Texas voted against unionization with the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 351, 20-42. Um, like I said, though, saved the best for last because 25 workers at GE Appliances in Orlando, Florida voted in favor of unionization with the Industrial Division of the Communication Workers of America, IUECWA, 20-5. Way to go. Shout out, IUE. Indeed. Uh, strikes and bargaining updates. D this has been a huge story, and we need to get somebody on to talk about this because this has just been crazy, and we haven't been able to talk about it because there's been so much going on. But despite pleas from students, faculty members, and academic organizations to change course, and despite protesters disrupting its Friday meeting, the West Virginia University Board of Governors voted yesterday to slash 143 faculty positions and 28 academic programs from its flagship Morgantown campus. Huge cuts to the university from the mis mismanagement of the university president. Absolutely despicable. Sanitation workers, members of the United Electrical Workers UE Local 150 for the city of Durham, North Carolina, returned to work last week after a six-day strike, even though their demands had not yet been met. Their struggle, their struggle for higher pay continues. They've been continuing to hold events after their return to work to apply pressure to the city, and this morning they announced that the city had agreed to a $3,000 bonus for every uh, city employee, which is short of the $5,000 uh, bonus that the union was demanding, but still better than a $0 bonus. The union is still going to continue fighting for higher wages and the rest of that bonus. Shangri-La Dispensary Workers with the United Food and Commercial Workers, UFCW Local 655 in Columbia, Missouri, are still on strike. They began in May. Three Brothers Coffee Workers with UFCW Local 1995 in Nashville, Tennessee, have been on strike since June. Memphis Soy Protein Production Workers with the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers International Union, BCTGM Local 390G, have also been on strike since June. The UAW went on a partial strike last week. All uh, the big three UAW represented facilities in the South remain at work, but have been called on by the UAW International to maintain constant strike readiness. About 10% of the UAW's big three automaker membership is out on strike now. In uh, policy, politics, and legislation, the Brookwood Baptist Health Center will close two labor and delivery units in the Birmingham area next month, making Shelby County the largest county in the state without a labor and delivery department at 230,000 people. Mm. A quarter million people in the United States in the year of our Lord 2023 without a labor and delivery unit. Insane. Help at Home, which is a home health provider, is completely pulling its services out of Alabama at the end of September and plans to lay off nearly 800 employees after blaming the state's inaction to expand Medicaid. Wow. How many more jobs have to be lost? How many more lives have to be lost? 
U.S. Senator from Alabama Katie Britt last week came out in favor of free breast cancer diagnosis tests for women, saying, quote, no woman across America should be faced with the impossible choice between affording basic necessities such as food or being able to confirm whether she has a life-threatening in uh, life-threatening illness. Now that's interesting because she has not come out in favor of free healthcare for women with a positive diagnosis, which presumably means that she is okay with women across America being faced with the impossible choice between affording basic necessities such as food and being able to treat a life-threatening illness. She just wants you to know that you're going to die. Better than nothing, I guess, but really kind of brings into question, you know, when you start going down that road... It's like, what is the stopping point? And she does, you know, very incoherent. The U.S. Department of Labor proposed a new rule that would strengthen protection for farm workers in the H-2A visa program and help prevent abuses that undermine wages and standards for all agricultural workers. The proposed rule would add new protections for worker self-advocacy, better protection, uh, better protect workers against retaliation, make foreign labor recruitment more transparent, and enhance the department's enforcement. This proposal builds on a final rule the department published in October 2022 that modernized key aspects of the H2A program. The, uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, as part of its People, Prosperity, and the Planet program, announced a $100,000 uh, research grant funding to the University of Alabama in Huntsville to develop a low-cost household water filter that removes PFAS. Uh, this project will help promote clean drinking water supplies, particularly in small, rural, tribal, and disadvantaged communities. So, very cool. That wraps up our um, uh, What Happened Last Week in Southern Labor, and we captured all of it. Nothing else happened, if you didn't hear it there. Of course, I'm kidding. If we missed something, let us know, tvlr.fm slash contact, and we would love to add it to the next installment of Last Week in Southern Labor. Really appreciate everybody's time this morning. Uh, like I said, if you're a UAW member, the phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. Let us know uh, if you're a UAW member and you've called in. In the chat, let us know what your area code is so we can pull it out of the queue. We're going to take a break really quick, and we're going to break down what's going on with the UAW. we got a lot of clips to play, so make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and family members are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough even to keep their jobs. We can fix this. It's time for us to find a way to close the health care coverage gap so that people can remain at work. Let's make this a priority. Let's close this gap and cover Alabama. To learn more and how you can help, visit CoverAlabama.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. 
no representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Are you looking for a better future, a career that can have you set for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? If you are, then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. The work of IUPAT is all around us, from the industrial painters who work on the bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glazers who install the glass in our skylines, and so much more. With an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn and receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right, no student debt. Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families. And you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. Again, that phone number is 205-603-3142. Come build a better future with us today and join IUPAC. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior'd Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior'd Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior'd Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior'd Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior Law, the name with proven results. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Come on, you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. And you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. We appreciate your time this morning, folks. We've got a lot of people hanging out with us in the chat. About 60 people watching us right now live on YouTube, but only 14 likes. Please do get those numbers up. It helps us in the algorithm, helps people find our content. We are a small union talk radio program here in Alabama could use all the help that we could get uh, spreading the gospel of solidarity and unionism appreciate y'all tuning in that one in the chat says uh, regarding the people who voted against unionization in uh, last week in southern labor the only reason I can think of as to why people are opposed to forming a union is because of threats and potential loss of employment and indeed uh, that is you know that's part of it that's a big a big part of it and that is why 
That's why it's so uh, the the recent CMEX ruling at the NLRB is so important uh, because that ruling basically states that, look, if you have a majority of people in your bargaining unit file an authorization card saying that, yes, I would like a union to represent me, and then you have an election, and then your employer violates the law, commits unfair labor practices to try to dissuade you from voting for the union, boom. You're automatically a union. Recognized by the government, the employer has to bargain. Big, big uh, change in the NLRB process. But if you listen to some people on YouTube, it doesn't matter at all. Very strange. Um, uh, There was a uh, infinite content says, in related news, the UAW workers at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan are also on strike. Indeed, um, that he has been, uh, uh, Brother Sean has been opening all of his live streams uh, with a uh, with a quick note about what's going on in Michigan at Blue Cross of Blue Shield and somewhere else. Is it New York? I can't remember. But they've got West Rock workers on strike, Adam. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, but we uh, we spoke to, we reported, um, we're probably one of the only people reporting on the West Rock lockout in Alabama last year, about a year ago. They were first locked out in October of 2022. So this was about a year ago when United Steelworkers members at West Rock in Cottonton, Alabama were locked out. <clears throat> and so the UAW has West Rock workers on strike right now. I'm I wish I had more time to to dig into that, but alas. Uh, Pooties says Local 588 here in solidarity. Uh, Appreciate you tuning in. Chris says, Fain means business, and I like it. Already the best contract I've seen in 16 years of concessionary no-strike clause negotiations. Long overdue, indeed. Tim says, Mopar, Local 375 watching. Appreciate it. Chewy says, Solidarity. Andrew says, LAP862, ready to stand up. Um, stay strong, brothers and sisters. Uh, Darnell says, Local 900, my Ford plant, is currently on strike. Darnell, solidarity. Uh, best of luck. Keep up the fight. Uh, all the respect in the world to you as you are the first group of folks in the UAW on strike. If you want to call in, we would welcome it. 844-899-8857. Christopher, Local 249, is ready to stand up with our brothers and sisters. Hold the line. It's time for the proletariat to take what is owed to us. Call me Jay, says the government steps in and make some type of funding deal with these companies that would allow the demands of the UAW to be met. I mean, I would not be opposed to that. Uh, so um, with that, let's go ahead and and um, and jump into... We're going to go ahead and start breaking down what's been going on because a lot has been happening with this UAW stuff on strike. And I just want to start this off by reminding people that the corporate media is going to... They're going to pull what the compensation is for the top progression of the top tier of workers at the big three automakers. And then they're going to say, look at these people. They've got it better than you, and they're going on strike. They're greedy. They're shutting down the economy because they're greedy, while not talking about how CEOs at all of these big three companies make 300 times more than that person, right? It's insane. And so they're going to take the top tier, uh, the top progression of the top tier, despite the fact that the majority of UAW members at the big three automakers today are not in the first tier. They're in the second tier. 
They're either temporary employees or they, or they are second tier permanent employees. Meaning if they're temporary employees, they don't even have health care. They don't have a pension. They don't have a 401k. They don't have time off. Nothing. It's just straight pay. And that straight pay starts at $15 an hour at some of these plants and only in caps and for temporary employees caps after six years at 1982 at a Jeep plant mm. after six years. And then if you want to go into the second tier of permanent employee, you got to take a pay cut to go to 17 an hour to top out at 32 an hour after like eight years. It's insane what UAW members of the big three automakers have had to put up with. Okay, so the majority of people are either in the second tier of permanent employees, which means that they may get a similar rate of pay, but they don't have a pension. Their health care is not, a good, not as good, et cetera, et cetera. Or they're temporary employees who have even less than that doing the same job. Okay? Uh, so... It's important to remember that because a big, big, big part of this strike is the elimination of tears, the ending of abuse of temporary workers, and bringing everybody, everyone, tier one is one of the chants at these uh, at these rallies and on the picket lines. And that's important to understand. Uh, because, and you're not going to hear that, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of, you know, on a lot of uh, corporate media. And it's a shame because, uh, you know, the media is supposed to inform people and instead they're misinforming and misleading people. And over the last four years, Sean Fain on Wednesday night had a big, had a, he's been doing weekly live streams and he had a longer one last week on Wednesday night. It was about an hour long. I would recommend people go and watch it. It's very good. And he started off by showing some numbers over the last four years. And I didn't pull the graphic to show you on the screen, but I'm going to read this to you. Over the last four years, profits at the big three automakers have gone up by 65%. Pay uh, for the CEOs at the big three automakers has gone up by 40%. Stock buybacks has gone up by 1,000 500%. I didn't read that wrong. I didn't add an extra zero. Stock buybacks are up by 1,500%. The average price of a car over the last four years has increased by 34%. Inflation over the last four years has increased by 20%. The top wage rate of the top tier of a UAW member. All of these numbers, remember, 65%, 40%, 1,500%, 34%, All of those numbers are what you need to have in mind because the UAW top wage rate has only increased by 6%. Single digit in four years, 20% inflation. Golden era for these companies, according to the Ford CEO. 6% raise over four years. Insulting. And the labor cost per vehicle is 4 to 5%. One twentieth of the cost of a vehicle goes to paying the people who actually do the work. 
So let's listen to Sean Fain talk about, uh, you know, talk about this moment here. Let's play this clip about him, uh, uh, you know, where he's he's really kind of, you know, laying the truth out for people. So think about that. They could double our wages and not raise car prices and still make billions of dollars in profit. They spent more money enriching shareholders in a year than they spent on us in the entirety of the last contract cycle. They want to scare the American people into thinking that auto workers are the problem. We're not the problem. That chart is the problem. Corporate greed is the problem. And come tomorrow night, if they force us, we're about to make it the big threes problem. There you go. They could double. They could double what they pay these people and still make billions of dollars. Okay? It's important. One criticism uh, that the UAW is that the UAW is demanding too much from the big three. That's one criticism. And here is, uh, this is a quote from Sean Fain, right? Right. He says, quote, I know that our demands are ambitious, but I've told the companies repeatedly, I'm not the reason that the members' expectations are so high. What's driving members' expectations are the big three's profits. You cannot make, you cannot make $21 billion in profits in half a year, in, half, in six months. And expect members to take a mediocre contract. You cannot make a quarter of a trillion dollars in North American profits over the last decade and expect us to keep aiming low and settling lower. Our campaign slogan is simple. Record profits mean record contracts. So that's what they're, you know, so that's that's where things stand as far as, you know, the what the media is trying to tell you. Just don't, you know. And and most people and you know I'm I'm, I'm kind of speaking to the choir for for the most part even you know even beyond the normal audience that's going to find this stuff because 75 percent of the American people support the auto workers. That's right. So it's a it's a pretty common sense kind of thing, but so on each of these demands that they've got, and we're going to go through them one by one on tiers, wages, cola, blah blah blah. Um, the big three are not where they need to be, just simply not. And so he went through these, um, he went through those in his live stream, and I'm just going to go through them quickly, uh, and then we've got uh, a couple more clips from that live stream. So on tiers, the UAW demands is to end tiers and have a 90-day progression to the top rate which re and restore benefits, uh, retiree health care, and pensions. Ford wants, all of them want to keep tiers, every single one, Ford, GM, and Stellantis. Ford wants a four-year progression, and they rejected all pension and health care and retiree health care proposals. Mm. GM, they also want to keep a four-year progression. They rejected all pension and retiree health care proposals, and they want to continue substandard pay for CCA and GMCH. We had a brother from CCA call in and talk about how they're basically a separate second tier uh, in GM unacceptable. Stellantis wants to keep four-year progression, rejected all pension and retiree health care proposals, and they want to continue substandard pay at Mopar. On wages, UAW is demanding significant double-digit pay raises to match the salary increases of the big three CEOs, catch up with inflation, and make up for decades of falling wages. Uh, Ford, 
all of them have inadequate pay offers. Ford says 20% over four years. GM, 18% over four years. Stellantis, 17.5% over uh, four years. Those don't even make up for the inflation of the last four years, right? So even with the most generous offer on the table right now, Ford, at the end of this four-year contract, a Ford UAW member would be making less than they did in 2019. Four years from now, 2027, not acceptable. On COLA, cost of living adjustments, UAW wants a uh, uh, wants a return to COLA. They they say like, look, if uh, inflation rises, you got to meet that with your pay because we can't deal. We can't be the only people that are at risk for inflation. You cannot offload all of the risk of inflation onto your employees, and that is a reasonable position. Ford is offering a deficient COLA that would only have provided an estimated wage protection of less than a dollar over the next four and a half years. GM has a deficient COLA that would provide an estimated 0% wage protection over the next four and a half years. Stellantis has a deficient COLA that would provide an estimated 0% wage protection over the next four and a half years or lump sums that many employees won't receive. Now, look, these are all deficient. These are all not acceptable. But remember, and Sean Fain has pointed this out, at the beginning of this thing, everybody said there's no way you can get COLA back at all. COLA is off the table forever. We gave it up years ago. It's never coming back. It's back on the table. It's deficient, but it's back on the table. That's what happens when you aim high. That's what happens when you raise expectations and when you have a credible strike threat, when you are willing to leverage the power that you have. You get stuff back on the table. On profit sharing, the UAW wants to enhance profit sharing. And they say, look, if you're going to spend money on stock buybacks, they're not even saying you can't spend money on stock buybacks, which I think would be reasonable because as somebody pointed out in the chat, they used to be illegal until Reagan came along. Ruined everything in this country. UAW says they want enhanced profit sharing, and they say, look, if you're going to spend money on stock buybacks for every million dollars that you spend on stock buybacks, our members need $2. And that's still not even, you're only spending at that profit sharing uh, uh, formula, you're spending only like a third as much on workers as you are on um, as you are on shareholders, because they got about 140,000 members, so... If you give a, do a million in stock buybacks, what you're doing is like 700,000 or 600,000. Or no, no, no. 140 members. That's only 300,000. $300,000 for every 1 million on stock buybacks. Okay? That is, again, eminently reasonable. In fact, I think the argument could very well, could be easily made that you ought to double the amount of stock buybacks on employees. For every dollar that you spend on stock buybacks... $2 ought to go to employees. But look, the UAW is being reasonable. Ford, all of them actually want concessions on profit sharing. Every single one. Ford would have resulted in a 21% smaller profit sharing check over the last two years. GM would have resulted in a 29% smaller profit sharing check last week. Mm. Stellantis calls for significant reductions of profit sharing checks based on an unknown internal company attendance calculation. 
on temporary employees. The UAW wants to end the abuse of temporary workers by converting to full-time after 90 days, providing full benefits and profit sharing. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Shouldn't have a second tier of employees. Shouldn't abuse temporary employees. Temporary employees are supposed to be temporary, right? Right. Ford says they're gonna they'd be willing to do a conversion of all current temporary employees with 90 days continuous service to full time in progression. So here we go. We're starting to get some movement from Ford on that. Uh, but uh, from GM and Stellantis, they're both not adequate. GM says inadequate benefits, no profit sharing, meager wage increases to only 20 an hour for temporary employees. Not acceptable. Stellantis, no path to full time. Inadequate benefits, no profit sharing, meager wage increases to 20 an hour. Not cutting it. On job security, the UAW wants the Working Family Protection Program, which we have been very hyped about. It's very cool. Um, basically says, look, if you take a if you take a plant away from our community, you've got to keep paying us uh, to do to build our community. You can't leave us in the lurch. We're spending every day, hundreds of years of our community's life for you. You can't just leave us in the lurch. You got to be in it with us. Um, they also want the right to strike over plant closures. Ford rejected all job security proposals. GM rejected all job security proposals. Stellantis rejected all job security proposals and <laughs> proposed the unilateral right to close and sell 18 facilities, including various assembly and powertrain plants and mm. part depots. Not acceptable. Work-life balance. UAW wants an increased work-life and family balance with more paid time off and holidays. Re uh, Ford rejected all quality of life proposals except for Juneteenth and two weeks of paid parental leave. GM rejected all quality of life proposals except Juneteenth. Stellantis rejected all quality of life proposals, proposals except Juneteenth. And this is another something that the corporate media is really hitting on. We're going to play a clip in overtime of Tim Scott. Uh, saying how the four-day work week is just insane. And these people would be saying the exact same thing in the, uh, uh, you know, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s when people were fighting for the 40-hour work week. They would say, oh, what, you, 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 you want to make more money and you want to work less? You're lazy. You're greedy. And that's absolutely not the case. American workers are more productive today than ever, and yet we are working more. Than, <laughs> more than in the past, and much more than people in other, in other countries. Sean Fain has pointed this out multiple times in his live stream. Workers in Germany work three months less a year than American workers. Three months less. You, put, you sacrifice three months, 30% more of your life to making some ghoul at the top of a corporation profits than workers in Germany. And yet somehow every single company in Germany has not moved and outsourced. Somehow Volkswagen still makes uh, cars in Germany, right? Not impossible. On retirees, UAW wants a significant increase to retiree pay. All of them have rejected increases to retiree pay. And oh, so, correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. I believe retirees haven't received a pay increase since 2003. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, that's my understanding. Uh, last I checked, cost of living, it's gone up since 2003. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. So, uh, and retirees, like Sean Fain has pointed out, retirees built these companies. Retirees built the UAW. Retirees built the middle class. And for the big three to disrespect them like that is just really, really, really gross. 
And so that's where they are, and that is why the UAW went on strike on Thursday night at midnight at facilities that all of the big three auto companies, <clears throat> for the first time in history, UAW's never done that. They've always picked a target to strike and tried to pattern uh, agreements out, uh, uh, based on that. But this time they're targeting all of the companies. They're negotiating all the companies at the same time. And so that's the way that they're doing it. And, and specifically, what they're calling the stand-up strike is they are starting at multiple facilities uh, or, or at one facility at each of the big three automakers and having them strike at first. So, And that what that does is it gives them room to escalate. They don't put everything on the table at once. It gives them room to escalate Absolutely. at the bargaining table. It also <clears throat> saves their strike fund some money because even though the UAW has the biggest strike fund of any union in the country, if you start doing math, <laughs> you know, uh, as, as you should do if you're thinking about these things, if you start dividing any number by 140,000 employees, it gets small fast. It gets small fast. And so you don't want to you you don't want to ask people to go on strike if they don't have to, and you don't want to spend money that you don't have to. And so what they're trying to do is trying to maximize pain on the big 3 automakers with minimal pain for the UAW members. Also, what we've been seeing over the last couple of days since the strike began is <clears throat> Ford, and I think now another company came out this morning and saying that they they are idling a couple of plants as a result of the strike at these final assembly plants. Some people are trying to say that striking final assembly plants is not strategic, which does not make sense to me because <laughs> for a product to actually go to market, what has to happen? It has to be assembled, <laughs> right? At the final assembly plant. Doesn't get sold if it's not assembled at the final assembly plant. Very strategic in my view. Um, and so some of the companies are, sh are idling some of these other facilities that the UAW has not struck. And what does that mean? That means they are being locked out. That means they are not striking. That means they're eligible for unemployment. So that is that much less money that has to come out of the strike fund to support these workers because they are able to get unemployment. It's very strategic. Very, very strategic. Um, and, and so, and this also, like... Uh, Friend of the show, brother from Pennsylvania, Connor Lewis, president of uh, Labor Council up there. He said that this gives them the, them the ability in bargaining. If, if the big three automakers slide a proposal across the table and say, here's our offer, the UAW can just walk out of the room, make a call, come back to the table and say, another plant just went on strike. That doesn't cut it. Right. Give us something else. And, and they're not going to know which plants are going to go on strike. Somebody else mentioned this in the chat. There are a lot of rumors, and it's not totally substantiated, but there's been a lot of UAW members saying this. So I think it's probably, it's probably reasonable. And in these times did report that the, UA, that the big three automakers were caught off guard. But what I'm talking about is that there was a leak that came out, um, ostensibly leaking the UAW strike targets. And so because of that, the big three tried to move products in anticipation of the of these facilities being struck. And the leak was of the wrong plants. It was not the plants that ultimately went on strike. And so there was very costly movement um, that was for naught because it wasn't those facilities. And then the facilities that did go on strike were not prepared to go on strike. The management wasn't, right? So 
causing a lot of confusion, causing a lot millions of dollars in uh, in you know damages outside of just what you would get uh, from the loss of production. So it's great, and you know, and so the, another thing, you know, people are, are saying like, why don't you just all go out go out at once, right? Why don't you all go out at once? And it, it just, I do not understand how people do not see the logic of starting small and escalating because they couldn't strike before this because of the contract. Before the contract expires, you can't strike unless, you know, you're willing to basically bankrupt your union. And, you know, maybe there are times and places where you've got to take a stand basically on principle, but again, you know, no reason to bankrupt your union if you don't have to, right? And so... There we go. That's what they're doing, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and and uh, the members seem like they are uh, they're behind it by and large. Uh, the members on the picket line seem like uh, they're having a good time. They're in high spirits. There was some video circulating of somebody burning something in a burn barrel, and and you know, so the reporter asked him, "What do you, what is that in the burn barrel?" He's like, "It's our old contract. Uh, copies of our old contract." So good times being had, and. Um, and you know things are getting serious, so that's that's basically what is happening right now. And I wanted to play this next clip um, from Sean Fain before, the, uh, as he was gearing up to announce what exactly the strike plans were going to be. And it's a long clip; it's about five minutes long, but it was so powerful in my view um, that. I really, really wanted to share it with y'all. And I, like I said, the stream was like an hour long on Wednesday night. So I would recommend going back and checking it out. But listen to how he talks about his run for the presidency in the UAW, the moment that we're in, and some of the thoughts that's going through his mind as all of this is happening. Let's play this clip. Those of you that don't know me, you know, one of the first things I do every day when I get up is I crack open my devotional for a daily reading and I pray. Uh, earlier this week on Saturday, um, I was struck with my daily reading, which seemed to speak directly to the moment we find ourselves in. And it was called Fear and Faith. And I found it interesting that that morning I was getting ready to head to uh, Solidarity House to meet with the negotiating committees and review this plan with them. And under that fear and faith daily reading, you know, the commentary I read talked about great acts of faith are seldom born out of calm calculation. It wasn't logic that caused Moses to raise his staff on the bank of the Red Sea. It wasn't a confident committee that prayed in a small room in Jerusalem for Peter's release from prison. It was a fearful desperate band of believers that were backed into a corner. It was a church with no options, a congregation of the have-nots pleading for help, and never in those moments were they stronger. You know, at the beginning of every act of faith, there's often a seed of fear. And I got to tell you this, when I made the decision to run for president of our union, you know, it became a real test of my faith because I can tell you, I sure as hell had doubts because I knew what I was taking on and uh, I knew what I was up against. So I had to look myself in the mirror and I had to tell myself, either you believe it's possible to stand up and make a difference 
or you don't. And if you don't believe it, then shut up and stay on the sideline. I knew in my heart that the membership felt exactly like I did, that my union family was fed up with all the corrupt stuff that had went on in the past, and they were fed up with the company union philosophy. I chose to have faith in our members, and that's why I'm standing here today with all of you. I chose to be sworn in when I was became president um, on my grandmother's Bible, which I have here with me. I take this with me a lot of places. In 1933, at the height of the Great Depression, my grandmother's parents couldn't provide for their children any longer. So they dropped her and her brothers and sisters off at an orphanage. That orphanage gave her this Bible. And in the front of this Bible, there's an inscription that has my grandmother's name and says, Christmas 1933, Halston Orphanage. You know, years later, my grandparents were part of the millions of families who moved to the Midwest to work for auto companies and seek out a better life. Like my grandfather's pay stub that I carry with me every day, I'm proud to have inherited my grandma's Bible and her faith. You know, and I, I want to share with you another powerful verse from Scripture that really speaks to me in this moment. It's Matthew 17, 20 and 21, where it says, For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. For years, as a member of the UAW, and even during this current round of bargaining, I found it heartbreaking to read comments from members and retirees that have such low expectations. How many times have we been told we'll live to fight another day? I've read comments such as, you can't get cost of living back, it's gone forever. I've heard comments about you can't bargain for retirees. I've read comments about how you're asking for too much. That's company talk. And it comes from a mindset that's a direct result of company unionism. It comes from the worst of our union's history of setting expectations low and settling even lower. And for many of us, who have yet to see our union fight hard and win big, it's hard to imagine what that would look like. Making bold demands and organizing to fight for them is an act of faith. It's an act of faith in each other. And yes, these corporations are mountains, but together we can make these mountains move. Hey, the first time that I listened to that, like I'm not a religious person, but um, I started tearing up. I thought it was very inspiring. Um, and, uh, you know, later, like I said, continue to recommend reading that. Lenny Powers in the comments says, uh, a camel has more of a chance to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man has to pass through the gates of heaven. He also read that verse <laughs> in, the, uh, uh, in the live stream. And so basically telling that, um, basically telling the, uh, big three CEOs that they're going to go to hell. 
Um, which, you know, uh, if you read the Bible, then that's uh, probably, uh, <laughs> that's probably, you know, if you, get, if you read it literally, uh, if you're one of those, then, you know, that's kind of what you're stuck with. Um, and so I really appreciated that. Like I said, not a religious person, but I grew up, uh, grew up very religious. Uh, that's the kind of language that I have grown up around. That's the kind of speech that I've grown up around. And it uh, makes me feel at home. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for people that, for other people that are not religious, you know, you can't. That's just, I've seen some silly stuff about, you know, uh, Christian nationalism in the UAW. Come on, that's ridiculous. Right. I, I don't think references like, to scripture are equivalent <laughs> to Christian nationalism. He's not saying that you got to be a Christian. He's saying this is part of what's motivating him, faith, his faith in, you know, a higher power and his faith in his, uh, you know, fellow human beings. And if you're not willing to hear what people believe, <clears throat> just hear it. You know, you got to you're not going to be very good in the movement. So I really appreciated that. It, 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 um, uh, I thought it was very good. And so there we go. They're on strike. Uh, yesterday he had a rally with Bernie Sanders and, uh, Bernie, uh, you know, Bernie's always good at these kind of things. Um, and so I have a clip from his speech, uh, last night. So here, here's Bernie Sanders. And let me tell you, and Sean has made this point over and over again. In the last 50 years, there has been a massive redistribution of wealth. Problem is, it's gone in the wrong direction. Instead of going from the top down to the bottom, it's gone from the bottom up to the top. And what this strike is about, and what workers are standing up all over this country for, is we're going to reverse that trend. If the ruling class of this country wants a redistribution of wealth, we're going to give it to them. There we go. Speaking of Wall Street and a uh, redistribution of wealth, the CEOs have been reacting to this stuff and, uh, and talking about how good they think that their contract offer is. And just re remember, I went through everything with you. Uh, <laughs> it's not great. They're not meeting the demands. Here's what Jim Farley, who is also, uh, by the way, um, some other Farleys related to him, the Chris Farley. He's related to Chris Farley from SNL fame, which is unfortunate uh, because Chris is cool. But this Farley is not good. Here's what Jim Farley had to say about the contract. Quickly put in some perspective, the offer that they have, what they're demanding relative to where we where you are right now how much damage would that do to the bottom line if you were to say sure we'll give you 40 percent if we signed up for the uaw's request instead of making money and distributing seventy-five thousand dollars in profit sharing in the last 10 years we would have lost 15 billion dollars and gone bankrupt by now uh, the average pay would be nearly three hundred thousand dollars fully fringed for a four-day work week there is no per way employee, per UAW per employee. employee yeah this is our fully tenured school teacher in the U.S. makes sixty-six thousand dollars. Some of the military, our firemen, makes mid fifty thousand. Okay, pause this it is there. four or five times, six times what they make. There's no way we can be sustainable as a company. He is saying, and now that three hundred thousand dollar fully fringed, I doubt it. 
That I mean, he's been lying, and he and and we're going to show you part another part of how he lied. Uh, but talking out, uh, talking about fully fringed three hundred thousand dollars compared to straight salary for teachers, not fully fringed at sixty thousand dollars. I mean, he knows this is like his world. Talking about salaries and compensation and all of this kind of stuff, he knows he's being a slimy operative in that clip talking comparing fully fringed to salary to straight salary just really really i mean disgusting stuff but this is this is the kind of this is the people that wall street is sending okay let's continue that's why we put our proposal in two weeks ago to say look you want you want us to choose bankruptcy over supporting our workers here's our proposal let's work through this we've heard nothing uh, absolutely, the UAW is not asking Ford to go bankrupt. And here is Sean Fain's uh, response to uh, Ford's uh, allegations. I heard the CEO of Ford say that it would bankrupt them if they met your demands. What do you think of that? I think it's a joke. You know what? They could double our pay right now. Labor, the cost of labor the co that goes into a vehicle is 5% of the vehicle. They could double our wages and they could not raise the price of vehicles, and they would still make billions of dollars. It's a lie like everything else that comes out of their mouth. That's exactly right. And look, even if, let's say, let's say that you're predisposed to believe, for some reason, that the CEO of the Ford Motor Company is acting in good faith, that he actually is worried about bankruptcy for the company. Instead of offering concessionary profit-sharing formulas instead of not moving on temporary employees or pensions or anything like this. He could come closer to meeting the UAW on all of these other things, and then he could also come and say, look, to show you that we're serious about this, we want to be partners in this, we want to be a team, we're a family, remember? We're going to take a haircut. The shareholders and executives and CEOs and the people who don't work but who make money because they have money. We're going to take a haircut like all of you did in 2008. So in exchange for not giving you every single thing you want, I'm going to limit my, I'm going to cut my salary by half and only, only make $15 million a year. I'm going to cut my salary by half and go from $30 million to $15 million a year. I'm going to put a cap on stock buybacks. I'm going to put a cap on dividends. Shareholders got more in the last year than UAW members over the last four years. That's never going to be the case going forward. It's never going to be more than one-to-one. -one. If a shareholder gets a dollar, a UAW member gets a dollar. That's what we're doing moving forward because we're a team. We're a family, remember? But that's never on offer. That's never on offer. These people always want the unilateral ability to increase their compensation to ungodly levels without the input of their employees while crying poor when the workers demand their fair share. So don't buy a lick of it until and unless they start doing some of that, which they have shown no compunction to do. Let's take a look at uh, Mary Barra from GM, what she's saying about the contract. 
One of your competitors said the deal that the UAW wants would push them into bankruptcy. Can GM be successful if you met all their demands? Uh, actually, um, no. The demands which has been set, and we said are, for the life of the contract, the initial demands were over $100 billion. Uh, we're, we still have a ways to go with the offer they put on the table last night. Same thing that Jim Farley's saying, and exact same response from Sean Fain, basically. That they're, they're lying. According they're to SEC filings, you received nearly okay. $21 million in total compensation in 2022. Sorry. In comparison, Sorry the median yeah, yeah, total no compensation worries, no worries. for Ford employees was about... Yeah, but <laughs> this, is a, this is a really funny clip, and we're, we're going to... Uh, so anyway, like I said, they're not they're not offering to take a haircut, and they've been actually explicitly asked about this because like I, this is a big this has been a big part of the messaging from the UAW. Look at how much these bigwigs are making compared to us. And so if you are a you know a thinking person, this would be one of the th one of the first things that you start to go to. Look, maybe I can take a haircut and only make fifteen million, ten million dollars a year instead of twenty or thirty million. Um, and so they have both been asked, Jim Farley and Mary Barra, to justify their pay. Here's what Farley, uh, Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, uh, what he had to say when he was asked about it. According to SEC filings, you received nearly $21 million in total compensation in 2022. In comparison, the median total compensation for Ford employees was about $75,000. That's a 281 to 1 ratio. Do you think that that gap should change? Pause it here. <laughs> Look at this freak's eyes. <laughs> Can you see? If you're not listening, if you're listening on the radio, find us on out. YouTube. And look at this guy's eyes. I mean, this is a guy, I don't know how he couldn't have been expecting this question, but this is someone who is freaked out, who has no idea what to say. I mean, just a, like, it's an amazing face. What a ghoul. Let's continue. Well, I think, first of all, my job is to add value to the company and to make sure all of our workforce is handsomely awarded, that we all benefit in growth. Um, and yes, that's, you know, all, at all levels of the company, you know, we have to be competitive. But my goal is just totally focused on making sure we have a vibrant future for everyone, especially our factory workers. My grandfather was an hourly worker for Ford, and we want to make sure everyone has a future. But we have to be competitive. Talk about the potential cost to your company and to the American consumers. There you go. No follow-up on that question. How do you justify that salary? Do you think that that uh, pay gap should be lowered? No follow-up from the corporate media. How is this going to affect consumers? How is it going to affect consumers? In, I mean, you know, kudos to her, I guess, for asking the question, but I do not know how you don't follow up when they so brazenly don't answer you. It's... That's wild. Absolutely wild. Here's what Mary Barra had to say when she was asked a similar question. I think the problem that we... Oh, wrong one. Let's see. I think... Sorry, we don't have, we don't have Mary oh, Barra's... No. Well, that's fine, because she basically did the same thing, didn't answer it. But she said something... Uh, the one thing that I wanted to pull out from hers is that she said, oh, my compensation is 92% based on the performance of the company. Now, what does that mean? 
I have to translate Wall Street speak for you because that's just a bunch of rubbish. When she says the performance of the company, she means stock price. She doesn't actually mean how good are the vehicles, how well are the employees taken care of, how satisfied are the customers. Stock price is what she means by that. And stock price can be manipulated by things like stock buybacks, like we talked about. That used to be illegal, but now they are legal. And what happens when you buy a stock back is you decrease the supply. And so, you know, the supply and demand 101, econ 101, right, that kind of... that teaches you if the supply of the stocks is lower the cost is going to be higher artificially right and when the stock price goes higher that means her pay increases this came about because of again reagan cutting the capital gains tax to where when you make money because you have money because you own stocks in a company and then you realize those gains that is taxed at like half of what labor of what wages is taxed at. And so that is why CEOs and other executives are now paid largely in stocks instead of wages because they're taxed less than us for it. It's not based on performance. It's because you get a tax cheat on it. That's why. And, you know, Ben Shapiro, uh, he tried to help, but he was, he was not helpful at all. He was replying to this notion about how uh, stock buybacks are bad. And he said on Twitter, quote, Stock buybacks are generally undertaken by companies to prevent stock prices from remaining artificially low, thus undermining the ability of companies to issue new stock and generate liquidity to pay for, say, expensive union contracts. And now this is strange uh, for me to read because Ben Shapiro is ostensibly a supporter of the market. And so it's amazing to me that he thinks that the CEO and the executives and the shareholders of these big three automakers can know better what the price of the stock should be than the market. That's just super strange. Super strange that somebody who is a free market ideologue rather than a partisan for the ruling class he would say that he's not a partisan for the ruling class. He just thinks that the free market just is better for everybody. But here he thinks that the ruling class knows better than the market. Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre defense. He was of no help to the automakers. So there we go. UAW's on strike. Three facilities. They're going to ramp it up as, uh, as the big three automakers refuse to meet their demands. And... Uh, we are absolutely supportive of them. As soon as there's a picket line that comes up near us, we're going to be going to it and hope to see a bunch of y'all out there. And uh, we're going to be heading into overtime here in a few minutes. So if you're a UAW member, get ready to call in 844-899-TVLR, 844-899-8857. Um, and uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and head to a break. Uh, we've got a one or two more segments that we want to get to before we go into overtime. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and neighbors are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough to keep their jobs. We need to fix this. Let's close the health care coverage gap. To learn more, visit CoverAlabama.org. 
Support for this program also comes from the Ironworkers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, Or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need ironworkers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Ironworkers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. The Laborers International Union of North America, Local 366, is proudly recruiting North Alabama workers to work construction and nuclear plant maintenance. If you're interested, please contact Donna at their training center to start the process. That phone number is 256 415 Again, that phone number is 256-415-7452. No experience is needed. Free training is offered, but you must be able to pass a background check and a drug test. Local hiring that grows our community with good-paying jobs that have benefits is their mission. Live better. Work union. Local 366. Feel the power. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior'd Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior'd Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior'd Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior'd Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior'd Law. The name with proven results. Union Talk Radio Show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller. We appreciate you listening. If you want to support the show, tvlr.fm slash donate. 
for a one-time donation or a recurring monthly contribution. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners, so we really appreciate all the support. If you are in the area and you want to come to our live show, our first ever live show is going to be tomorrow at Shenanigans Comedy Theater off Lehman Ferry Road in Huntsville, Alabama. Going to have union members, local working comedians, union-made beer. Going to be a good time. 6 p.m. Shenanigans Comedy Theater. TVLR.fm slash store to get your tickets. We appreciate everybody tuning in. 133 people watching us on YouTube. 64 likes. If you haven't liked the stream yet, uh, then please do. Also, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss our future episodes. Uh, We clip the show throughout the week. We're live every Saturday morning, every Thursday morning. Uh, So, yeah, keep on coming around. Um, really quickly before we get to boss watch, it's going to be a shorter boss watch. So I think we've got time for this, Adam. It's the five year anniversary of something or the one year or three. It's an anniversary. Talk to us about it. What's going on? Oh, okay. All right. I see what you're doing here. All right. So, (laughs) um, let's see. This week was the seven year anniversary of Casey Werdinsky resigning from Huntsville city schools as the superintendent. Um, you know, you get those Facebook memories that pop up and uh, happen to see that and, you know, shared it with Jacob. He wanted me to speak to it on the show today because, uh, you know, Casey Wardinsky was superintendent of Huntsville City Schools for over five years and uh, <clears throat> made quite the impact. He ran for Congress uh, shortly after. Uh, that was what, last year, 2022. He ran yep. for 5th Congressional District. Uh, he was working in the Trump administration at one point. Um, so what do you want to know about his resignation? Uh, yeah, well, basically, well, what what was it that he was uh, that he was pushed out for? What was what was that about? Sure. So he announced this like hastily called uh, press conference and um you know, I booked it down there, as did a lot of reporters and anybody who could to the school board where he had this press conference and he dropped a couple of bombshells. And one of which was that he was resigning and he was going to give less than 48 hours notice, which, by the way, is not allowed for teachers. Uh, your certificate will be flagged if you do that as a teacher. But Regardless, he was he was resigning uh, with less than 48 hours notice, and he also announced that uh, he was in a relationship with a lady named Karen Lee, hmm. and Karen Lee was the CEO of a contractor that just so happened to have had millions of dollars of business with Huntsville City Schools. Um, and so there was an obvious question about conflict of interest there, and he said that he was trying to be on the up and up. And, and wanted to just go ahead and, and resign, lest it become a problem. Uh, and of course, it was increasingly a problem because uh, just a couple of weeks beforehand, his allies had lost the school board election. And so for the very first time, he was actually going to face opposition at the school board. Um, he had had a five to zero majority his whole time. And um, there were two seats that were open that August 20, 23rd or so. Uh, and he resigned, yeah, you know, a few weeks later. Uh, he knew he was going to be facing a lot of extra scrutiny. And, yeah, having um, 
having a relationship with a contractor is, is typically frowned upon. Hmm. Uh, so he did resign, and uh, it just so happens there was a big invoice for that uh, contractor that was slated to be on the school board agenda that week. Um, they ended up having to go to court, the school system and the contractor, Pinnacle Schools. What it was is that the school system had outsourced the alternative school program. So if you remember when you were in school, there were those kids who got in like a lot of trouble, mm. um, so much trouble that they weren't allowed back at the normal school, you know, alternative school. Uh, Huntsville City Schools privatized that, and Pinnacle was the, you know, the, the provider of those services. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, the official reason why he resigned so quickly and got the heck out of Dodge. Um, and but, now you are, you know, new listeners to the show may not know, but you formerly worked for the teachers union here in Huntsville. And so uh, with him as a superintendent, he was like a really big fan of yours, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had quite quite the battles over the year. or It was about a year and a half, I guess, uh, when I was in the AEA position in Huntsville uh, while he was superintendent. And it, it, was, it got really ugly pretty quick. Um, you know, I called him out in the Huntsville Times, like my second week on the job, I think. And so it was kind of on from there. Um, and he, you know, he resented the public. He resented teachers. He resented employees. And so for anyone to ask questions of him, um, particularly in public, like at a school board meeting, it was, um, you know, it was, it was something he took in a very adversarial way. Mm. And so he would he would act like a jerk, you know. If you asked a question, uh, if you just wanted to clarify something, <clears throat> if something didn't make sense, uh, because, you know, that's the sort of attitude so many folks have when they make it to these positions uh, where they're not really public service minded. Uh, I mean, the man never met a public tax dollar that he didn't want to put into a private pocket. So, uh, you know, that was sort of his M.O., and so basically you won. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think the people won. There you uh, go. The, uh, I think, you know, the interesting thing is that for the, like the last year or so of his administration, people across the city of Huntsville organized uh, across party lines, across neighborhood lines, across racial lines. There was a really broad coalition of people uh, who were, you know, attending school board meetings and attending and organizing community meetings all over town. And, um, you know, I led an effort with the Huntsville Education Association to to sue Casey Wardinsky, and, and we were pretty successful with that. Unfortunately, I faced a lot of internal opposition from the association, uh, both at the local and the state level, which really hampered a lot of our opposition efforts. Uh, but, you know, that's a story for me to share uh, at tomorrow night's live show. All right. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and, and take a look at what bosses were doing last week in the South. You know, every week, every day on the local news, you're going to see a mugshot of somebody that, you know, stole something from a grocery store, whatever. But you never see uh, all the laws that the bosses are breaking. So we try to we try to provide a balance. And so let's start off in West Virginia, where coal cretins are crying poor. Coal industry bosses owe more than $16 million in unpaid federal mine safety fines as the end of July 2023. Unpaid mine safety fines are the equivalent of a rude gesture from mine operators to Congress and the Mine Safety and Health Administration, said the United Mine Workers spokesman Aaron Bates in an email. 
She continued, it leads to a lack of accountability and compromises the safety of miners. In particular, mines controlled by West Virginia Governor Jim Justice and his two adult children owed $3.09 million in delinquent federal mine safety fines as of July, according to data uncovered by a Gazette Mail Freedom of Information request. The Justice's mine safety debt uh, comprised nearly a fifth of the debt nationwide, according to the Mine Safety and Health Administration. Just wild stuff that these people can get away with. In Hawaii, a Georgia-based prime contractor schemed to deny payment of overtime wages to 110 construction workers from 12 states employed on several hotel renovation projects in Honolulu between 2019 and 2022. The U.S. Department of Labor has recovered $700,000 in back wages and damages uh, for these 110 workers. Investigators with the department's wage and hour divisions found that SNA Industries of Sewanee, Georgia, paid the affected workers straight time rates for all hours worked and used a series of illegal payment arrangements to avoid paying overtime wages for hours over 40 in a work week. Uh, the workers were employed by seven subcontractors to complete various renovation projects in Hilton and Marriott Resorts. Uh, in addition to the back wages and an equal amount in liquidated damages, the department assessed SNA Industries with $40,000 in civil money penalties for its repeated and willful FLSA violations. Wages and damages recovered waged for, uh, ranged from $1,000 to $28,000 per worker. Uh, in Missouri, on March 27th of 2023, an 18-year-old employee of a Missouri contractor was applying sealant to a commercial building's roof when he fell more than 22 feet and suffered serious injuries that left him in a coma for five days before he died. After the tragic fall, the employer, Troyer Constructors LLP, offered a foreman and an allowed a foreman and another worker to continue working without fall protection until they finished their shift. The same day. So this guy falls eventually to his death and the employer's like, no, keep working and no fall protection. Insane. In addition, inspectors with the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration learned that Jamesport, that the Jamesport employer in Missouri had fall protection available but allowed employees to decide if they wanted to use it. OSHA investigators determined that, in addition to not ensuring employees used fall protection, the contractor failed to train them on how to use it. Investigators also found that Troyer Roofing did not train employees on proper forklift operations, failed to provide workers with face and eye protection, and and did not have a written hazard communication program for sealants and other chemicals that the employer used. Uh, penalties proposed are $205,000. The company has 15 business days from receipt of the citations to comply, request an informal conference, or contest the findings. We had several dishonorable mentions, including two from Alabama, where Security Engineers Incorporated, a Birmingham, Alabama-based company specializing in contract security services, which operates in at least 14 states, violated federal labor law when it denied female applicants employment and job assignments because of their sex, the EEOC charged in a lawsuit. Delaware-based TCI of Alabama LLC, which is a recycler of large items such as transformers, uh, violated federal law by firing an employee for participating in an internal investigation of alleged sex discrimination, the U.S. Employment Opportunity Commission charged in a lawsuit. Two weeks after federal workplace safety investigators warned the operator of a tamooning construction company of hazard conditions facing employees working in an ex excavation, they returned 
they returned to find the company again exposing workers to potentially deadly trench hazards as they installed a sewer line at the Paradise Court subdivision in Mangalau. The DOL proposes $73,000 in penalties. There's a couple others, but you're going to have to go to tvlr.fm slash contact and sign up for our newsletter to find those. One more announcement in Boss Watch. There is help wanted to stop bosses in Mississippi where the U.S. Department of Labor investigators are seeking to interview employees at a Hattiesburg poultry plant as they continue their probe into the death of a 16-year-old worker in July of 2023. The Department's Occupational Safety and Health Administration and Wage and Hour Division have opened workplace safety and child labor investigations at the Marjack Poultry Mississippi plant. To aid the investigation, OSHA obtained a warrant from the U.S. District Court uh, for the Southern District of Mississippi to secure access to the Marjack facility and investigate safety hazards related to the incident. The warrant allowed federal officials to question any employer, operator, agent, or employee privately and to review records related to the operation and maintenance of the equipment involved in the incident. Employees at the Marjack Poultry Plant in Hattiesburg are asked to contact OSHA at 855-321-6742 or the Jackson Area Office at 601-965-4606. That's going to be it for us today, folks. Uh, on the first half of the show, we have a whole second half of the program that is online only. If you're listening to us on the radio, find us online, YouTube and Facebook. We're going to continue talking about the UAW situation. We've got on Luis Leon from Labor Notes to talk about his reporting. We're also going to take calls at 844-899-TVLR. It's going to be a great time in overtime where we have a whole second half of the program. Uh, so like I said, really appreciate everybody's time. TVLR.fm slash donate to support the show. Come out to our live show tomorrow at Shenanigans Comedy Theater. Buy your tickets at TVLR.fm slash store. VIP tickets get you in the door an hour early to chat with us and the guests. For the radio audience, until next week, solidarity. <laughs> <laughs>